Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Oh, yes, indeed. Is this the official, this is the official, well, no, unofficial, end of summer, right? This is Labor Day. We are entering the Labor Day weekend. Although, if you're like me, I think you could be blindfolded and be asked what day of the week it is, what month it is, what weekend of the year. You have no idea, no clue whatsoever, because all those benchmark moments that we use to mark the passage of time, all those moments, all those benchmarks are gone, right? Does it feel like the first weekend in September? Put the put the temperatures aside, a little chilly, whatever. By the way, love coming up on my favorite season. Crisp. I like the crispness. Give me autumn. Autumnal equinox. Yes. But this is kind of the end. This is the end, but don't feel that way because has anything fed? Did the summer feel like the summer to you? Hmm? Did it? Really? Will the fall feel like the fall? Do you realize... Do you realize that one week from today, one week from today, the NFL season will have begun because they open up on Thursday night, which is just absolutely remarkable in some ways. Here's the other problem. Here's the other thing with the NFL season. Because there has been no preseason, no four exhibition games, the ability... For the irrational Packers fan, or football fan in general, the ability for them to say, what are they doing cutting this guy? He was great when it didn't matter in the preseason. What are they doing? Brian Gutekunst is crazy. They they don't have that platform. No idea. Does anybody have any idea what's going to happen a week from Sunday? No clue. But here the NFL is arriving because... Because summer is over. I am with you until 3 o'clock. Another sign, as I said to Steve, another sign that summer is over. This is uh, the end of the summer of Wagner. And uh, it's been my pleasure to fill in on a slew of these Fridays, giving Jeff a long weekend. He'll be back on Monday. Later on in the show, the 2 o'clock hour, usually Jeff sets some time aside for Pop Culture Corner. And uh, I'll leave him that property rights. I will not infringe on that. So, I like to call it Friday Fun, and today's Friday Fun question, start thinking about it now, we'll do it in a couple of hours, start thinking now, don't text in now, don't call in now, if you want to email in now, that's okay, I can file that away. The question will be related to fast food frustrations, fast food frustrations, I've got a story, we'll kick it off, it's always tied to something, right? Fast food frustrations. I want you to start thinking now about a moment, an incident, an example of something that happened at a fast food restaurant that you just, you'll never forget. Maybe you never went back to that place because of what happened there. And I want creativity. When I've asked for it in the past, you guys have come through in the clutch. And a couple weeks ago, we're great when we did... um uh, what do we do? Oh, uh, celebrity encounters of the random kind. So the more creative, the better the story. We'll put you on. We'll have some fun with that after 2 o'clock. I'll tell you right now, if you call in, 
Kyle producing as always. If you call in and tell Kyle, yes, I once went to Burger King, I wanted cheese on my Whopper, and they didn't put cheese on the Whopper, you're probably not going to get on because that's just, yeah, it may have been a frustration in the moment, but come on, this is radio here. So fast food frustrations in the 2 o'clock hour, and um, right before 2 o'clock, a little Kentucky Derby talk as well. Jeff would appreciate that, being the horse racing aficionado that he is. Yesterday, though, yesterday we found out uh, about the presidential debates. Are you getting ready for the presidential debates? I am, but I'm a geek in this respect. I admit it. I know it. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm looking forward to the debates. And I admit up front there is an entertainment value. There's always been an entertainment value when it comes to the presidential debates for me. And let's be honest, with Donald Trump being involved, there's an entertainment value that people will watch because of it. Now, will they watch anticipating this knockdown, drag-out debate as we saw four years ago when the build-up to Trump v. Clinton? Maybe not. This might be a little bit more, well, I don't know. I was going to say it might be a little bit more docile in performance, but... Who knows? You've got a couple of septuagenarians up there. They might surprise us all. That said, we found out yesterday the dates, the locations, and the moderators of the debates. And as we were discussing it on WTMJ Nights last night, I got to thinking, when it comes to the moderators, and I'll give you the names in a couple of moments here, would there be an advantage to having or allowing the Republican candidate to have a stronger say in who moderates for them, the Democrat the same, and then the third debate have more of a neutral judge, or a, a, a neutral judge, a neutral moderator. When you think about how can I get the most out of a debate, and we can debate how much anybody gets out of a debate anymore, but... Would there be an advantage? Here's my hypothesis. Tell me if you agree or not. 855-616-1620. It is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell Tell me I'm crazy. That's fine, too. Would there be an advantage to allowing or having or value, not advantage? Would there be a value to you, to us as Americans? Would there be a value in allowing a right wing pundit, a right-wing leaning moderator for one debate, a clear left-wing moderator for a second debate, and then somebody that is kind of down the middle for the third. Now, just think about it, because I know that the Trump, uh, the, uh, Trump campaign was lobbying. They put out a list of of moderators they wanted under consideration. I think at one point, I don't know, I haven't really seen the list, but I know that they threw out the name Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh should be a moderator. So imagine this. Would you find value if in a presidential debate, now or or in the future at some point, there was a, let's say, a Rush Limbaugh moderating one debate, so clearly there's a home field advantage for the Republican, and then in another debate, um, let's say Rachel Maddow. What about Keith Olbermann? Let's go Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann is dusted off, 
comes out of retirement. No, I think he's back working for ESPN in some part-time capacity. But you have Keith Olbermann on the other side as a moderator. And then debate number three is somebody down the middle. Somebody who's more mainstream, just kind of, you know, like a, like a, I love Chris Wallace, like a Chris Wallace or somebody from C-SPAN or something like that. Is there a value in doing that? When you think about presidential debates, am I crazy? Am I nuts? Do you like the way they do it anyway? 855-616-1620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Scott in for Jeff. So yesterday, we'll get to the calls here in a moment, but it's 855-616-1620. Yesterday, they named the moderators... Uh, day before we got the dates and the, the locations for the, there'll be three presidential debates and one vice presidential debate, which has kind of turned out to be the norm. What would you say for how many presidential election cycles now? You get three between the big dogs and then you get the VP one. Real quickly, the first one will be September 29th, Trump v. Biden. That's going to be moderated by Chris Wallace. Very happy about that. I love Chris Wallace. Then there will be a debate on October 7th. So the next week, this is the vice presidential debate, Harris v. Pence in Salt Lake City. It's going to be moderated by Susan Page of USA Today. Third debate, the second presidential debate is going to be October 15th, so the next week in Miami, and that'll be moderated by Steve Scully of C-SPAN. Okay? Third debate, the next week, October 22nd. So we're going to get a debate a week, starting the last week in September, basically. Last debate in Nashville by Kristen Welker of NBC News. There will be the town hall version as the middle one, I assume the versions will be the same. The first one will be podium, podium. Second one will be town hall. Everybody spaced out. You can still do a debate even during pandemic time. Third one will probably be the, here are a couple of stools, sit here, but then feel free to roam the stage. But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they'll say, no, you can't come too close. Put a piece of plexiglass in between and stay apart. So those are the three debates. Chris Wallace, Steve Scully, Kristen Welker, moderating. Note they've gone with one moderator for each one. You're not going to get a panel of three or even a pair, as we've seen in the past. And then Susan Page will moderate the VP debate. But here's my question. Would there be a value to you if they had a clearly right-wing moderator for one, a clear left-wing moderator for another, and then as neutral as you can find, like a Chris Wallace. I think Chris Wallace is pretty neutral. I know, I know, he's on Fox. But look, you have to admit, Chris Wallace is tough on just about every person he interviews. And I think he's the only one that's like that, by the way, out there anymore. So, would there be a value in that? I think there would be an entertainment value in that, if nothing else. It's more than entertainment. It's important. 855-616-1620 to the phones. Let's start in Wales, and we talk to Al. Hi, Al. Good afternoon, sir. I'm glad you took my call. Um, the uh, moderators that you just uh, gave out, mm-hmm. I think, are perfect examples of middle-of-the-road people. 
And I think that would be very fair and very believable and very uh, beneficial to both parties. You talk about having someone like Rush Limbaugh as a moderator. How can that be fair to uh, the Democrats? This is one of the most ridiculous things you have ever come up with. (laughs) So it's not good. It can't. I'm serious. It can't work. There's nothing. Oh no! I, I, Al, I, look, I, I'm just I I just throw it out there, you know. And and I said, call me crazy. And I'm I'm I don't know. I, I haven't thought it all the way through yet. But you're right; it wouldn't be fair. But on the other hand, then if you have a second debate where you have a clear left wing moderator, uh, that wouldn't be fair to the Republican candidate. And then you have a third one that's like a a more neutral. He, he, here's here's the thing: I you know that Rush. Could you imagine Rush Limbaugh moderating a debate, throwing questions at Biden? Or could you imagine Keith Olbermann moderating a debate, throwing questions at President Trump? I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that would really put the screws to them, would it not be somebody from the other side of the political spectrum? And what's the advantage of that, sir? Um, You know, I, I think potentially to get them to address issues, questions, points that might not be raised or addressed even by a moderator that is more down the middle, which is the is the usual setup. Right. I don't know. I'm just you know, we're just spitballing. Okay. <laughs> so so may I call you crazy? Yes. Um, you wouldn't you be the you wouldn't you wouldn't be the first. Yeah. Go ahead, Al. <laughs> uh, well this is the most ridiculous thing. It's gonna be pardon my language, I won't say the word, no. but a cluster blank. <laughs> You know, it's 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 ridiculous. Here's and I I guarantee you, Al, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. But I appreciate the call. And I said, I said, call me crazy. Call me crazy. Paul and Sheboygan, are you going to call me crazy? No, no. um, It's it's an interesting concept. It never, ever occurred to me. And um, in answer to one of your questions, yeah, I put a lot of uh, trust and faith in the um um, um, debates because you're seeing them in real time and, and for the most part, um, uncoached in what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I would like to see, and I heard someone mention it, I don't recall who, but some sort of a, a you know, cursory instant fact check because there is a, there are a lot of untruths in this election. And, um, you know, uh, the media is easy, easy, to manipulate with with false statements out of context statements electronic um altering of of media and it's so hard to trust anything whereas if we see them in real time we might get a better handle on on what they're all about and i think thanks for the call paul appreciate it have a good weekend i think it's really tough in the moment and i've never moderated a debate of any kind I imagine it to be very difficult in the moment for that moderator to do the fact-checking right there. Now, some, the good ones, the great ones, like a Chris Wallace, can do that with some effectiveness. No, sir, that's actually not the case. What you said or what is happening is blah, 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 blah. But it's tough to do it after every, sadly, what would you say, untruth that is tossed out by one of the two guys behind the podium. Just something to throw out there. Maybe I'm crazy. Alan Wales agrees.
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, I recognize the entertainment value, but I I think if there's a an, an added entertainment value, and we saw it four years ago, you're going to get more eyeballs. Now, you say, well, should something like that be aiming for entertainment value, something as important as a presidential debate? It's a fair point. But if there's an entertainment if there's something shiny, if there's something entertaining about it, you get more people to tune in, and are if more people tune in, are they not going to, by osmosis, if nothing else, be a little bit more educated as to the two candidates? It's not going to happen. Something I was thinking about, spitballing, thought I'd throw it out there. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Don't forget, after the 2 o'clock news, some Friday fun. Today's Friday fun theme, fast food frustrations. Don't text in now. If you want to email, that's fine. Scott.Warris at WTMJ.com. But uh, save your stories for the 2 o'clock hour. I have a question to ask, and it's based on it's based on some stories or just some conversations that I've had and heard from people I know who have kids going to school right now. And I'm not even, well, you can, we can lump in college-age kids, but I guess primarily I'm thinking grade school, junior high, high school. How's it going? <laughs> That's my question. I, I have heard from several people who are connected, whether whether they're a parent, whether they're a teacher, whether they're just you know, trying to figure this out. The level of frustration in their voice and in their stories is striking to me. And maybe this is a question better left for next week because there are more schools that will be added after Labor Day. I get that. But I think there's enough enough of you have kids or know of teachers or are a teacher that are back at it now. I just want to throw this open. Maybe it's just the people with whom I interact that have found themselves frustrated. And I'm talking issues like there are classmates that have, or or students, I should say, in, in the school that have tested positive for COVID. And now there is heavy, heavy trepidation and an anxiousness from parents of other kids wondering, do I pull my kid out? Do I put him or her now on the online path? Do I keep them in? What do we do? Also, you know, occasions of what is happening inside the schools themselves with teachers. Are you able to keep the classrooms clean enough? There's all these questions that go through my mind, and I'm not tied to a a child at school whatsoever, so I, I don't feel it myself in my everyday life, but you think about the impact it has on a parent, on those of you who've got to get to work, on those of you who are trying to find, okay, uh, Tommy and Susie are not going to be in class this week. They're going to be back home. We've got to make sure somebody's at home with them. There's, you know, childcare things on their mind. But uh, I'll just throw this open. If nobody wants to, if nobody calls in, I'll move on. But I thought a lot of, People are at it now for a week, maybe two, 855-616-1620. 
what degree of frustration have you found with your particular school or school district, teacher, principal, whatever angle you're coming at this from, it it can I, I sense a lot of frustration out there. And maybe that's because the squeaky wheel is always heard more gets the uh, gets the grease more so than the smooth running operations we don't really hear hey this school that school this district that district we're rolling we're teaching kids are coming and going and they're following the guidelines and things are great but for those of you again who have a connection to a school coming at it from any different direction what's your degree of frustration or if there have been no frustrations, that's okay too. Because I think we can tip our cap to those districts, those schools, those buildings, those teachers, those staffs that are doing a good job so far. 855-616-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. I may do it again next week. I may do it again in a couple of weeks. But at this point, level of frustration with the back-to-school effort in the middle of a pandemic. Or maybe things are going smoothly for you. 855-616-1620 when we return. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. School is back for many. And I just simply have been wondering, how's it going? <laughs> how's, how's that working out for you? Hmm? Um, come at it from whichever direction, you know, from which you're, you're tied to with, with your parent, you're a student, you're a teacher, you're the spouse of a teacher, you're the spouse of a staff member. Then we can open it up across the spectrum. Kindergarten, grade school, junior high school, college even. I mean, I just have so many questions. You know, one of the things, if you can address this, I'd be interested in knowing. The the individual cleaning of a classroom. Because at the end of it all, a superintendent, a school board, a principal, they can can make rules and this is how we're going to do it and and it's going to be like that. It often comes down to that teacher, that custodial staff, that teacher's aide, doing the little things, doing the little things, making sure they stay separated if they're younger kids, making sure the places are just flat out clean, spending the extra time to clean the rooms. Those little things will make all the difference as to whether or not this experiment, as it were, is ultimately successful. School boards can pass everything they want, but comes down to the men and women on the ground so to speak. But that's just one of the things that goes through my mind. Anyway, the people I've talked to in recent days and weeks, there's a lot more frustration than, yeah, things are going smoothly. It's great. A lot more frustration. And it's anecdotal. But how's it going for you? To the phones here, by the way, 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Katie in Burlington, how's it going so far? (laughs) It's actually going very well. Good. Um, and I've tried to have that attitude with the kids because I'm like, we got to go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. Because we didn't know until um, maybe a week before school was supposed to start. So what age, K- right Katie? Now, what what it? age? What what age range are we talking for your kids? 
high schooler is in 10th grade. Okay. For the first two weeks, he is doing, for day one was virtual, day two was at school, day three was virtual. So they're flip-flopping the days for two weeks and then reevaluating the situation. Because he had uh, really established my expectations and teacher expectations during the quarantine last year, I think virtual is no, no problem, and I know he's happy to be in person at least two days a week. Hmm. Um, the other one is in seventh grade. They went back to full five-day in-person. I feel very satisfied with the safety, uh, you know, and sanitary and all the things they're doing in school right now. He actually has an IEP, so I just had a phone conversation yesterday. They already are planning contingency plans to how to service those children if we would have to go back to all virtual. And he literally was doing cartwheels in the parking lot to be back at school. Um, The only thing that's changed at home for us in terms of our routine is when they get home, we Lysol down their bags, um, clean their mask, they get a new mask, and I have them change in the laundry room before they come in because, you know, you never know what they might be bringing home. But that's really the only change we've done at home. See, that is another thing that I had never considered. The, okay, I'm back from a day at school. We should probably, you know, like you said, wipe down your back, your, your backpack whether it's the clothes, the books, things like that. I, I had never considered that. That's probably smart. It's just, yeah, it's just a layer, an extra sure. layer, because the teachers, no matter how well they're doing, that we all know there are parents who send their kids to school with the nose dripping and the, the <laughs> fever. They just, you know, that's always been the case. So, yeah, when they get home, we just do that. So that's a little change of routine. But they understand why, and that they're more than willing to do it if it means I get to go back to school in person at least some some of the time. Mm-hmm. So. It's just, that's a, I think that, I imagine it's extra stress for the teachers. My sister's a teacher, and she has said this year the demand for, for organization and doing virtual learning has just more than she's ever had to do in 20 years of teaching. And she said the most frustrating thing is she knows half the parents probably will not be able to do this it be, it, because it's hard for them. I'm blessed I, I work from home. So I have, you know, but I cannot imagine mm-hmm. that extra layer of stress some of these parents are feeling, and teachers. Thanks for the call, Katie. Appreciate that very much. All right, that that's good. I am heartened by Katie's call. few text messages. Again, 855-616-1620. I, I personally have heard a lot of frustration, a lot of skepticism, a lot of difficulties from parents, from teachers, from spouses of staff members, and I I throw it out there. To the text line, 414, my kids, let's see, make sure I get this right here. Uh, yeah, my kids are in elementary school in the Slinger uh, district going in person, in person classes. They're outside a lot, and my kids are fine with wearing the masks. I'm just hoping we can stay as long as possible in person. My kids need the socialization. I drop them off now, and uh, I'm dreading that it's been going smooth, too. It's going great right now, yes. So far, so good. The outside thing is huge, but let's be honest, in this part of the country, the outside time is limited. I imagine in warmer climates, you're going to have classes, maybe spend more time outside. Side note, do you remember that? It was sometimes in high school, but more so in grade school. Like maybe at the end of the year, early May, 
late April, but probably early, mid-May. It was usually an English class, because like an English teacher feels we can go outside and read poetry or read stories or something. And they would look outside and go, let's go sit on the lawn and and do class. And anytime you had those, oh, that was good, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Texter, my sister is a teacher at a middle school, and they are doing Stella learning, but they are required to be at school. Everyone uh, says the teachers are sent home so they can do a full cleaning of the school, but my sister was very skeptical of the deep cleaning and left a couple things out of place, mm-hmm, or dirty, or very easy to see. Um, let's see, and uh, let's see, and then Thursday, nothing had been cleaned or put away, so she like left them a trap. So much for the deep cleaning. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you got to wonder. You, you have to wonder about that. Texter, my son goes to UW-Whitewater. Okay, so this is college. He said that nobody is social distancing. They're not wearing masks where they should be. He feels the school will shut down and become all online again in a couple of weeks. And then references the issues with the UW chancellor. It's very frustrating right now. College-age kids, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember the um, a lot of the universities and colleges had these campaigns. What was it? Um, Rebecca Blank, UW-Madison Chancellor, on these airwaves, said, we have a campaign to try and convince these college-age kids to wear a mask, to do the little things, to socially distance, to try and... And they found the number one... They, they, what did you say? They, they crowdsourced it, focus-grouped it, they found the number one motivator would be the threat of, hey, we go online, you got to go back home with mom and dad. No, <laughs> you don't want to do that. All right, you don't want to go back home? You want to be on campus with your friends? Well, then do the little things. We shall see. Quick uh, couple more texts when we come back, but 855-616-1620. Just kind of taking the temperature right now as we are a week, maybe a little bit more than a week into this truly unprecedented school year. 920, I have two kids in high school, one in middle school. We are in the Freedom School District. That's up in the Fox Valley. Teachers and administrators are doing a great job. No frustration. I won't pull my kids for positive COVID cases in the school. We'll follow the recommendations set by the school district. My kids really aren't bothered by the masks either. That is good. That is good. Uh, 262 Texter, uh, in part, says... Uh, one of my friends was discussing a day one positive test and was convinced it was due to recklessness without the context to prove it. This is my concern. Bad information that scares people. I was talking to Eric Bilstead earlier today, and I, I was, I'm, I'm, as we process these positive tests tied to schools, universities, anywhere in the school system, I think it is important that we, we temper some of our maybe uh, default freak out level temper that because school is happening amidst a pandemic and we should expect i think and and administrators are and if they're not they should have been they should be expecting a certain level of positive tests i mean just based on the probability right there is a likelihood that a student at least or one person, anyway, in any school district will contract the virus. 
That is the new, here's another phrase, that is the new norm right now. The question is, what does trigger the freakout? Obviously, if you have a rampant breakout of the virus on a college campus or in a school district, yes, then you have to tighten the reins, send everybody home. But we cannot freak out, nor should we panic, when there are moderate numbers of cases in school districts. It, it there is you obviously have to address those cases, address those individuals, do some contact tracing with those who've been in contact with them and go from there. But we can't freak out. We do have to recognize, yes, it's a reality. There are going to be positive tests in schools, in school districts. The question then becomes, what is the school, what is the district doing to address those cases and contain the virus when it happens? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. So you're going to go see Tenant this weekend. I am. I'm going to see it tonight at 7 o'clock. It's funny you mentioned that. I have this story right here. Mm-hmm. Tenant debut leaves forecasters stumped when determining if it'll be a hit or not. Usually you can look at the box office numbers after a weekend after a holiday weekend and go hit yeah but this is the first quote-unquote big movie to hit the theaters since the pandemic began and even the experts don't know okay it brought in this much money normally that would be a bad weekend but considering there are people still very cautious and aren't you know, as many theaters open, they're not opening in New York or L.A., which and usually is the opening weekend. So they don't know what metrics can we use. And capacity's reduced, so right. we, you can't have a full theater so, anyway. Well, it's interesting. This movie... What's going to make it a success? Yes. I mean, that's a hard hard one to, to dial in on, but they're comparing this movie. It's sort of a spy thriller, psychological, all of that contained, but they're kind of comparing it to Inception. And you said to me um, during the break, you're like, oh, there's a lot of thinking in this movie. Yeah, this is not a veg out movie. No, this is going to be a movie where you will probably not want to go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie, because you'll miss a lot, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's made by Christopher Nolan, the same guy that made Inception. So a lot of people are saying that this is um, sort of a sequel to Inception. I don't think it really is, but it could be thought of as that. So if people don't know what it's about, let me just give you the quick little uh, Wikipedia summary here. Uh, this is not the story, but this is just basically what the it's about. Yes, the synopsis of what yeah. Tenet is a 2020 spy film. Uh, let's see. it. The plot follows a secret agent who must manipulate the flow of time in Ooh. order to prevent World War III. It was delayed three times due to the pandemic. It was released in the UK back on uh, about a week or so ago, uh, as you said today in the US. The film received generally positive reviews from critics who praised the performances, action set pieces, and score, though some, see, this is where I get bogged down, some lamented the confusing plot, yeah. impassive tone, and sound mixing. Mm, interesting. So if you I've, follow... Let me just say, <laughs> yeah. I've never gone to a movie and go, you know what, that great plot, <laughs> great tone. 
Not too keen on the mixing of the sound, though. Never thought so that. So if you're into movies, Rotten Tomatoes is sort of a website that you go to to figure out, uh, is this like a, got a good rating? Does mm-hmm. it not? What are people thinking? So it has the tomato meter, which um, zero to 100. Zero would be a horrible movie. and 100 would be a really great movie. So this one got 75%. And the audience score gave it um, 84%. So it got a fairly good score on both um, critics and also the audience. And another thing, Inception, I had a really hard time following that plot line back in 2010. That was with um, it's Leo a, DiCaprio. Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio, yep. Yeah, I, I, I was, was mentioning to Scott that it's, I mean, it's the same guy who made Inception. And I mean, for that movie, you almost have to watch it twice you do. to understand. I mean, the second time, then it, it's all clicking, right? You're understanding what's happening. But the first time you're like, what uh, were the connections? So I remember eating, I was eating while I was watching Inception. And that was a big mistake because I would have to go down to take a bite of my burger. And then I would miss whatever's on the screen. <laughs> Just that little bit could be really confusing i have been known to not you can't do it when you're in the theater well maybe you could but they don't want your phone on but i've been known to watch a movie that is a little more complex and plot and mm-hmm. character storylines but i will then i'll admit it maybe others do too i will call up like wikipedia or something <laughs> oh, like that, really? so that i so that i can follow yeah the plot like okay the that cliff notes so then i read the plot okay that's what just happened all right, now I'll now I, I don't want to read too far down because you you don't want to give away the ending, just to kind of it, it's you're right say, it's cliff notes as yeah, you watch. This movie may be one you might want to do a little bit of research before you go to it. I know that sounds like a lot of work to go see a movie, but just to get an idea of what you're going into. Look, do not <laughs> underestimate the fact that people just want to go to a theater. Many do, True. some don't, many don't, but many do. Just want to go to a theater and watch a movie, mm-hmm. and it just so happens this is the first one that's available to well, them. Well, we'll see. I mean, I guess we won't be able to tell really by numbers, but at least it'll, it'll show if people are ready to go back to theaters. All right, we'll get so kind of an idea. When it comes to gauging it by the numbers, mm-hmm. and that, again, is not number of people who go, but the number or the amount of money it generates... Uh, where did I find this? Uh, well, anyway, here, here are one, two, three, four, five, seven different, um, would you say, movie forecasters that work for various firms in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. have then given their estimates. Choose your tenant forecast. Projections of North American weekend sales vary widely. Uh, one forecaster says anything over $25 million would be a massive win. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Another. 25 to 30 million would be very nice. Another 35 to 40 million over seven days would be a success. Now, think about that under normal circumstances. Well, think about this. They're not making anything right now. They're making these movies and, you know, on big budgets. One guy says over 15 million from Friday to Sunday would be a success in our view. Um, One forecaster, I think that around $40 million would be pretty good. And yet another says anything under, anything under 50 million is a disaster. And I'd be really surprised if it does much more than that. Well, you know what? The other interesting thing is what does the theater look like? So you'll, I look forward to hearing your maybe thoughts on Tuesday after you go and say, all right, well, we, 
Did you have to buy your ticket ahead of time and pick your seat so you're properly spaced? We will, yeah, but we will have to do that. I don't know if we've done that yet, but... A buddy of mine went and saw a tenant last night at the Avalon in Bayview, and they're at at 30% capacity. Um, you got to buy it ahead of time. Um, but I mean, yeah, like you were saying with like the crowds, who was going to be there? I mean, if it sells out, it's at 30%. I mean, that's, it is a large theater. So I mean, Mm -hmm. 30% is a good number of seats compared to maybe a smaller theater like on Downer. Um, but still not a lot of people. And some of the big ones are now open, right? AMC has opened up. Marcus, Marcus is, mm-hmm. has opened yep. up some of their yep. properties. The one I'm really missing, the Oriental is my favorite theater. I love just the ambiance of it going in there. It's local. It's beautiful. I really miss that. So I'll have to make a few phone calls to see, it, you know, potentially when they could be open. But yeah, I think they're renovating. I think it's going to be they later are. in the spring, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But otherwise, yeah, going to see this movie this weekend. Hopefully it will be a great experience. I've offended those who are sound mixing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, you say experts. 715 says the sound mixing is because Nolan is terrible at bringing vocals and dialogue to the forefront. It's hard to hear what the actors are saying. And I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything because I, I haven't even seen the movie. But time travel and like reverse time are some themes in the movie. So I mean, having the reverse sound effect really, uh, really achieve what you're trying to trying to go for can be difficult. I would imagine. I mean, it, like the way that I, I was following some guy on Twitter talking about it, and he was saying he could post the entire script of the movie to Twitter, and you still wouldn't totally oh, understand what was going on. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, trying to achieve, you know, inverse, reverse time and, and stuff like that and having it all sound accurate can be pretty tough, I'd imagine. Trying to, th- you know, th- there are times where you make a decision when you go to see a movie and I, you know, you, you there are times where you just want to go to just escape. Just give me two hours of maybe it's dumb humor. If it's a comedy or two hours of the rock kicking somebody's yes! butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like mindless it, action. It was, it, yeah. It wasn't so much for humor, but it was mindless action. Mm-hmm. What was the movie he did? I would say two years ago, just the dumbest thing. Is it Hobbs and Shaw? That's a, no, like it, Fast it, and the Furious. It was spin-off. when there was, um, it, there was an ape or a gorilla. Oh, ra- rampage. Rampage. <laughs> yes. And here's the thing. I knew going in. It's the rock. There's going to be explosions and high octane action. There's a giant gorilla that I don't know. If, did it take like some sort of um, some sort of sound waves or something created it? Like then there was a was there a lizard? Some mutation. It's based off the video game. Yeah. And I knew, and you should know going in, if you are just looking to veg. Same. If you're going to go veg on a movie, if you're going to go and you just want mindless, that's what it is, mindless entertainment for two hours, there is a genre of movies to go to. Um, it is uh, Pacific Rim, and they've oh, had yeah. like a couple of those since. Mm-hmm. And it seems like on television, like FX runs those things all the time yeah high quality action and low quality plot yes exactly (laughs) and sometimes during one of my sloth sundays i'm in the mood for one of that and i know i can go to fx and i can watch like godzilla 
I've always been a sucker for monster movies since I was a kid. But you know, like a Godzilla, or they're playing uh, uh, Skull. Was it Skull Island, the yeah. most recent mm-hmm. King Kong movie, or any of those Pacific Rim movies, or anything rock related? If you're looking to just veg out on something. Those are the type of movies. And if you want to spend your money on it, that's fine. But know what you're getting into. Now, this, it certainly sounds like with um, Christopher Nolan as the filmmaker, this is obviously the complete antithesis of a rock movie. This is one of those, all right, pay attention. You can't walk. Look, if you're going to go to see Tenant, you better pee beforehand. Because you're not going to want to leave the theater. You're going to completely miss everything, and you won't know what's happening once you come back inside the theater. This is not a veg movie. Take notes. Can you take notes? This is one of those you probably want to buy a, you know tickets the next day. Go back. Like uh, Kyle and Melissa said, this is a movie, and there are movies where you see it once, you see it a second time, you need to see it a third time and kind of flesh things out. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The Wisconsin Sports Awards is an event that honors and celebrates the excellence shown by the athletes and teams in our state at all levels of competition, from high school all the way up to the pro level. And this year, the awards are up to you, the fans. Head to WisconsinSportsAwards.com. It's all one word, WisconsinSportsAwards.com, to check out the list of nominees and, most importantly, cast your vote. Also, by voting this year... You could win tickets to next year's in-person event. Again, just head to WisconsinSportsAwards.com to cast your vote today. Before we get to 2 o'clock on a sports note, tomorrow is the running of the Kentucky Derby. Usually it's early May, first Saturday in May, isn't it? And this year, for obvious reasons, they've pushed it back to Labor Day weekend. We'll do something. We could do. See, this is honor of Jeff. Like I said many times, I think he's a horse racing guy. Uh, we're going to test your horse racing knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will. Also, after two o'clock, keep thinking, keep thinking. I want to hear your what we're calling today for Friday fun. Your fast food frustration. A good story. Something good. Again, don't tell me you went through the line and they gave you onion rings instead of French fries. That's not going to cut it. We have high standards here for in-depth, riveting issues like fast food frustration. No, we do. Fast food frustration. So start thinking, start thinking, and we'll take your calls in less than an hour. Yesterday, by the way, did you see that the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field announced a $100 million DraftKings partnership, and they're going to build a Wrigley Field sports book. A Wrigley Field sports book. The state of Illinois passed um, legislation, well, that was last summer, wasn't it? The summer of 2019 or thereabouts. Anyway, uh, maybe spring of last year. That allows for brick-and-mortar sports betting and online sports betting in the state of Illinois. Here in Wisconsin, of course, we do not have that yet. But think about this, and I know many of you will because it's a short little drive to the state of Illinois. 
An increasing number, according to the uh, Cubs, an increasing number of sports fans want to integrate sports betting into their game experience. We're excited to be one of the first to engage in developing a retail sports book at a professional sports venue. This partnership is going to net the Cubs $100 million over the course of nearly a decade. They are the first baseball franchise to announce plans for an actual sports book inside or in the area surrounding their arena. There's no timetable as to when it'll open, in part because there are some hurdles between the two sides that they still have to have to work through at this point. But they want to build, think about this, they want to build the biggest retail sports book in the country, in the country, right in the heart of Wrigley with what they're calling an unrivaled experience, food and beverage, the ability of a fan to go there pregame, make bets, go to the game, come back, cash their tickets on the way out. Supreme Court of the U.S., remember, um, legalized it across the country in 2018. 18 states currently have then taken it upon themselves. The U.S. Supreme Court said it's a state's issue. So since the uh, 18 ruling, 18 states currently have legalized sports gambling. Would you take part in that? I would in an instant. I, I'm not really. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a. Let's go to the casino and sit at the slot machine for five hours. I'm not a big card player. If I did, it'd be blackjack, I guess. But I'm not big in that respect. However, however, if it came to a sports book, that has legs, and Wisconsin needs to consider that for several reasons. When we come back. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, I, I think, and there's 18 states that have, like I said, legalized sports gambling. I think Wisconsin, the longer they wait, and Wisconsin cannot adopt it without changing the Constitution. It's actually in our state constitution as it pertains to gambling, in this case, obviously, sports betting. The longer Wisconsin holds out, there is money to be had. They're losing money. And now, here's the here's the other thing. You could, if they wanted to, you could alter the compacts that they have with the Native American tribes, and perhaps we could get a sports book at a Potawatomi, Oneida, places like that. But that would involve, um, what would you say, renegotiating the compacts between the tribes and the state of Wisconsin. Anything beyond that, you got to now work on an amendment to the Constitution, basically, which is heavy lifting. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised that. The state of Wisconsin, the, well, should I be surprised the state legislature and the governor aren't working together on something? Probably not. But there is money to be had. There is revenue to be generated. There was big money before COVID. And think about the money that the state could gain from legalizing sports betting now. And think how much more valuable that revenue stream would be to the state, which has been unable to generate revenue because of COVID and the you know the the hit to, to the, uh, the the tax base as it were, just saying 
Just throwing that out there. I know marijuana is often, one of, legalizing marijuana is oftentimes one of the first things that's brought up and can be very polarizing, although every few months and every year it gets less and less polarizing. People say, look, there's money to be had from legalizing marijuana. Why is it in our state that conversation seems more more top of mind or, or more popular than sports betting, sports gambling? There's money to be had, and the longer we wait, the longer... Madison waits, the more money that they're flat out losing. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There is something special about hometown teams. They're rooted in our backyard. They give us hope, passion, excitement, and make an impact on our community. That's why all of us here at News Radio WTMJ teaming up with the great folks at Associated Bank to help local businesses grow and succeed by giving one of them a free advertising campaign. The value 50 grand. Wow. Businesses can enter. So if you are a business owner or you know someone who is, Tell them about this and send them to the website, rebuildingwibusiness.com, by September 27th. Supporting our communities is a meaningful tradition. Associated Bank and News Radio WTMJ want to be your team. Again, enter to win and find the official contest rules at rebuildingwibusiness.com, member FDIC. A couple minutes away, we're going to have a little, uh, a little test. A little bit of a um, a challenge for some of you in advance of tomorrow's Kentucky Derby. Okay? All right. Labor Day gas prices are set to be the lowest since 2004. How about that? National average price for a gallon of gas rose to 223 yesterday, but still well below last year's average of 257. In Wisconsin, the lowest prices we're at a buck seventy-two in Fond du Lac. The Milwaukee area low price was one eighty-three at a Clark station in Waukesha. Did you think gas would be back to two and a half, three dollars by now? I, I kind of did after it bottomed out. I filled up for one. If you can find gas for under two, you stop. You stop whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, from wherever you're coming. You stop. You pull in. Just do it. Because those moments are, even if you just have to top off, even if you're still like at three quarters of a tank, telling you, stop and fill up your tank. That's what I do. If you can see the price and it's less than $2. Wow. 2004, the lowest Labor Day price, 2004, 182 per gallon. Huh. Interesting. Also, uh, Journal Sentinel reports... And again, you know, sadly, I I found myself dry when when I'm driving, I'm looking and paying a lot closer attention to the businesses if it's not a residential area, the businesses, and I don't know, I, it feels as if I'm coming across a lot more empty storefronts or property, you know, lease this property for whatever. The downtown Jackson's Blue Ribbon Pub is closing. This was the um, downtown night spot in the former Pabst Brewery complex on North 10th Street. This is the final weekend. The owner announced it on Facebook yesterday. Simply, 
in an interview with the Journal Sentinel, said no traffic. Said as much business as we did, we became overly dependent on both in-house and outside events. No events downtown. I can't imagine I'll be the last one to close. Jackson's Blue Ribbon Pub opened in the Paps Complex in 2013. Uh, the owner's brother is the one that owns the one out in Tosa. They were in the news earlier this summer, as you might recall, for other reasons. Owner says it's just sad for all the staff that's worked so hard over the years. It's heartbreaking for a lot of people. They're just blocks away from Pfizer Forum. Here's the part that really kind of just hits you in the gut. They were on pace for a record year with the Bucks heading for the playoffs. Loyal Marquette crowds filling the place to capacity every game day, and then the pandemic hit. When everything closed in mid-March as part of the effort to limit large gatherings, spreading the virus, the owner said he was not planning to reopen the downtown pub at all. I kind of could forecast what was going to happen, but then some of the changes with some of the federal you know, loan programs, they gave it a try and just did not work. Have you noticed that at all, Kyle? You and your fiance, you you guys are, you guys are usually out there on the social scene, checking places out, looking for a new place to eat or to go have a beer, things like that. I feel as if, and again, for what that ever is worth in an anecdotal base, I just feel as if I'm I'm much more conscious of a lot of places that have closed are closed. Is it tied to the pandemic? I always just assume so. Is that just me, or if you picked up on that? Oh, 100%. I think uh, this word has been used um, a lot, but appropriately. I mean, a lot of businesses have, have have had to pivot their their entire business, basically. How they present it to people, how they're able to do it. Um, I mean, just one example. Uh, I mean, I work at Lakefront Brewery. Uh, at this point now, it is entirely a restaurant. I mean, we mm. of course, we're still making beer, and we have outside sales and, and everything like that. But, I mean, the... If you can recall the beer hall, uh, that is not a bar uh, anymore. Uh, It is all table service. Um, So everything, if you come in, you got to be seated at a table. You you can order food, you can order drinks, you can order whatever you want. But regardless, you're going to be sitting um, and you're not going to be standing up going up to a bar. So I think bars especially bars that don't have food service it's going to be a real real struggle i mean i i I can think of certain bars in um in the bayview area that don't have any type of food service that i mean if they are still at 25 to 50 percent, i forget which phase we're in it's almost not even worth having the place open because if you can only seat maybe 30 people in there max and you can only have 15 to what 7.5 rounded up to eight people um it's not going to be worth even having business. Well, no, because there's a cost to just opening the doors and having right. the lights on and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And if you're only at, like you say, at the most, let's say, 50% capacity, you're lucky to break even. And most aren't even breaking even. Yeah, and, and that being said, I mean, one of my favorite bars over on uh, on Brady is Regano's Roman Coin hmm. and have not gone there once since uh, since March. Um, there's, they've reopened, um, I believe the owner, uh, owns the building, so she doesn't really have to worry about, you know, having an owner to pay, uh, rent or a, a monthly payment or anything like that. So she has, she has the freedom to open up or close as she pleases. And don't underestimate the advantage, well, not the, the, the benefit of the timing of all this, that these bars, restaurants could 
open up an outdoor venue. There are tons of people, and I'm one of them. When I've gone out, and it's been a handful of times, I'm looking for places where I can sit outside while I still can. And so the timing of the pandemic, as I said a long time ago, imagine if the pandemic, instead of really hitting us in early March, would have hit us in early October. Yeah, November. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't open up. People aren't going to you know, sit outside in January. So there are bars and restaurants that have been able to have that as a benefit. Now, the question will be, here we are September 4th, a month from now, six weeks from now, middle of October, November, when outdoor dining or outdoor seating is just not an option. And depending where we are in terms of occupancy in Milwaukee and other places, what does that mean? Are there places that are only open now because they can see people outside. And when they can't, does that mean they will have to close? Yeah, and I think, to use the word again, businesses are going to have to pivot towards Pivoting. something else once the colder months arrive. Because, I mean, the thing, the place that comes to mind right away is um, Wicked Hop downtown on the Third Ward. If you ever walked around there December, January, and you walk by their sort of outdoor area right in front, um, you get that infrared heater that's sort of on there. Uh, the, uh, um, the, it's not a canopy, but you know what I'm saying. The awning? Yeah, that's it. They, yeah. yeah, they have their infrared heater on the awning. And, I mean, it's 60 degrees, very comfortable. You can, in the middle of January, you can sit outdoors. So a lot of different businesses are going to have to focus on extending, even though it's in the colder months, that sort of warm weather outdoor feeling. The thing is... That that is an expense too. Yeah. I mean, how that costs a lot of money. I imagine not just to run, but to buy those type of you know major heating apparatus. We'll see. It's again a storyline that we continue to track, and unfortunately, looks like another spot here in Milwaukee is closing its doors. All right. Speaking of pivoting, let's pivot here. I need. Let's just take. Uh, let's take four. Let's take. I need four callers. I need four callers. Eight five five six one six one six twenty on the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tomorrow is the Kentucky Derby. Four callers going to test your Kentucky Derby knowledge. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Tomorrow is the running of the annual Kentucky Derby. Churchill Downs, there will be no crowd. There will be no spectators, right? Uh, There's going to be 16 horses competing. Smallest field since 2003. They'll leave the starting gates at 6.01 Central Time tomorrow. I have the list of horses, all right? But we got two. I wanted four. We got two. Really? All right, fine. That... 2020 Kentucky Derby odds from William Hill list them at 12 to 1 and 8 to 1. Jeannie. Yes. Jeannie, are you cheating? Jeannie. <laughs> Jeannie. All right, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Just stop the music. Stop the music. Jeannie. Were you gonna yes. use were you gonna use Siri? Were you gonna use Siri to cheat in our little competition here? I was Jeannie. You got so busted because when I went to you, I could hear Siri already talking in the background, Jeannie. But I couldn't get any information because you cut in. Okay. So now you, you, you got, <laughs> now you, you got busted. I'm gonna let you play here. But you have to promise me you're just going, you're not, you're not cheating. All right. This is on the honor system. Okay. So yes. this is all right. Very good. 
All right. I have. We got a few people lined up, Jeannie. I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to give you a couple names of horses competing. I'm going to give you three names. One of them is an actual name of the horse. Two of them are fake, phony names that I made up. And you have to tell me which is the actual horse's name. And okay, and then there's two that are wrong. But you just got to tell me the right. Now, here's how we're going to do it. If you get it right, you will hear this horse. <laughs> that is an excited horse. If you, if you get it wrong, you will hear this horse. <laughs> Oh, 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 all right. So there you know. There, there we have it. All right. You ready to go, Jeannie? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. The three names. Tell me which one is a legit horse racing tomorrow. Max Player, Max Headroom, Max Capacity. Max Player, Max Headroom, Max Capacity. Which horse is running tomorrow? The first one. Max Player. Yes. <laughs> That is correct. All right, Jeannie. <laughs> See? That was a lucky guess. There's a happy horse. N- next one. Which horse is running tomorrow? Reliable, enforceable, or debatable? Reliable, enforceable, or debatable? Uh, the first one. Reliable is... <laughs> no. No, that is wrong. The horse racing tomorrow is in... Forcible. We continue. Jason in Sussex. Hello, Jason. Hello. How are you guys? I'm good, man. All right. You ready to you see how the game goes here? You got it? Yes, I'm good to go. Let's uh, give it a run. All right. The name of the horse running tomorrow in the Kentucky Derby. Rush the field. Roughing the passer. Storm the court. Rush the field. Roughing the passer. Storm the court. Which is the real horse? I got to go with... I gotta go storm the court, is my guess. That is correct. That is a happy horse. All right. Here's another one for you Major Fed, Fed Hike, Major Pain. Major Fed, Fed Hike, or Major Pain. Which is the horse running tomorrow? That one I think is Major Fed. I've heard that name. I think it's Major Fed. Oh, that's correct. You got two in a row. Here we go with another one. We'll give you another one real quickly here. Money moves, night moves, dance moves. Which is the real horse running tomorrow? Money moves, night moves, or dance moves? I'll go money moves. Money moves. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, yes. He is, I, we got to keep going until he gets one wrong. All right, real quickly here. Ri- here we go. Here's another one for you. River Bend, West Bend, South Bend. River Bend, West Bend, or South Bend. Which is the horse running tomorrow? Uh, let's go River Bend. River Bend. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. The answer was South Bend. South Bend. All right, let's squeeze in one more here. We, we, we're having too much fun. Let's go to Tim. Tim and Oshkosh. Hello, Tim. Are you there? We are here, yes. All right, Tim. Here we go. The horse that is running tomorrow. Mr. Big Shot, Mr. Big Nose, Mr. Big News. Mr. Big Shot, Mr. Big Nose, or Mr. Big News. Which is the horse? Mr. Big News. That is correct. <laughs> 
All right, which horse is running tomorrow in the Kentucky Derby? Thousand points of light, thousand island, thousand words. Thousand points of light, thousand island, thousand words. Uh, thousand words. That is correct. All right, because we're tight for time, I'm going to give you uh, one more here. One more. You ready? Here we go. Which horse is running tomorrow in the Kentucky Derby of these three? Bapa de Boopy, Taking a Pep, or Sola Volante? The horses again are Bapa de Boopy, Taking a Pep, or Sola Volante? She says the third one. The third one. The third one is Sola Volante. That is, a, that is correct. Nicely done. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to Jeannie. Thank you to Jason for playing this edition, the annual edition, the first edition ever of Know Your Kentucky Derby Field, an homage to Jeff Wagner, who is our resident horse racing aficionado. Stick around. Jeff Wagner is right around the corner. No exhibition games? No problem. WTMJ will make sure you get your football fix. Ten to the five, to the end zone, high-stepping, touchdown, Devontae Adams, 40 yards. Tune in Monday night at 6 for a special Labor Day edition of Packers Classic. Packers Classic, Monday at 6 on WTMJ. Sponsored by Salvation Army of Milwaukee County. Health Tradition, Sitzberger & Company CPAs, West Bend Insurance, Cousin Subs, and Associated Bank. Good Karma Brands is proud to be an e- Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. All right. It is the 2 o'clock hour. You made it to Friday, so not that we've been overly heavy with the discussion so far over the first couple of hours, but nevertheless, we'll spend some time on a 2 o'clock hour on a Friday for some lighter fare. Here's what I'm interested in hearing from you today at 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll set it up this way. Fast food frustrations. Fast food frustrations. Something that happened to you while you were going through the drive-thru or in the restaurant when we frequented restaurants that you have never forgotten to this day. The more outrageous, be honest though, don't embellish, the more outrageous, the better, the funnier. And I'll tell you up front, and I'll say this to Kyle, who screens your calls at 855-616-1620. If you call up and say, I went to Hardee's. Are there still Hardee's? I think so. I went to Hardee's, and they gave me cheese on my burger instead of one without, and that was my frustration. Now, you're not going to get on. You're not going to get on the show. I want to hear a good story, because we all, I guarantee that if you thought... You had something happen to you. Here's one. Maybe maybe you worked. Maybe you worked behind the counter at a fast food restaurant and there was there was a there was a customer that just frustrated you to no end. I was thinking about this because the other day went through the drive-through at Burger King, big fan of the flame broiled process. I have professed that for many years. 
ordered the a chicken a couple of chicken two for five. They got all kinds of deals, whatever the place is of your preference. Two chicken sandwiches. Now here's the thing. So we'll we'll open it up. Here we go. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. I'm giving this as a tip. When you are going through the drive through at a fast food restaurant, check that order. Check your order before you pull away from the window. Once you pull away from the window and you then open the bag and look in and, and you've got the wrong meal or something's bad and wrong, you are in trouble. Because now, if the lobby is closed, you're going to have to get back in line and wait all the way around, the go all the way around through the line again just to get your, your order corrected, okay? I opened up my bag. The chicken sandwich wasn't even wrapped. Yes, that is right. One of them was. The second one was, what would you, what would you say, naked? I had a naked chicken sandwich just flopping around on the bottom of the bag. Now, the I was smart in that I waited to leave the window before I checked my bag. So now I've seen that, all right, what the heck, I've got a naked chicken sandwich flopping around in the bottom of the bag. Now I look in the window. Here's the problem. The window was closed. The employees had moved back to the kitchen area. Now I am trying to get the attention I'm trying to get the attention of the employees, of the fast food workers, right? That's not easy. The window is closed. They've got the headphone on. You know, they're taking orders. I start honking my car horn. I did it like a couple of times. It seemed silly, a practice in futility, because they're not going to hear my car horn. Now I got people in the parking lot looking at me. Why is this guy honking his horn? I start waving my, hey, hey. Finally, I caught the eye of one of the employees. She came back to the window. I explained, uh, here's this bag. This chicken sandwich is just loose. I mean, it was like loose. You had the buns. You had the lettuce. It was all loose at the bottom of the bag. She helped. It was fine. Nonetheless, in the moment, it was frustration. I think you can do better than my story. But there are some good ones out there. So let's do this on a Friday. 855-616-1620. We will start with a text. This is what I'm looking for. Steve from West Bend. I have a Burger King story. When my kids were younger, we went through the drive-thru at McDonald's in West Bend. When we pulled away, I noticed we had the wrong order. So I pulled back in the parking lot which they share with Burger King. So you've got two places, one parking lot. Okay. I went in to complain that they gave me the wrong order. And I realized I was standing in the Burger King with my McDonald's order. I went back to the car and said to the kids, oh, well, eat what's in the bag anyway. That is good. I like that. You had a wrong order from McDonald's, and because they shared a parking lot, you walked in to the Burger King instead. That's pretty good. That's what I'm looking for. 855-616-1620. Kyle's working through the phone calls. If you're on the line, please hang on. Be patient. We will come to you next. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right. I like what I'm seeing so far. 855 616 one six twenty Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Today, Friday Fun in lieu of Pop Culture Corner. 
fast food frustrations. There is one frustration that I'm seeing pop up a few times in the texts, some of the calls as well. But let us start. Oh, gosh. Rick in Big Bend. You'll get us going, Rick. Your fast food frustration. Okay. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Take it away. Okay. Yeah, so I was was going for an important job interview. I stopped at McDonald's and got a small coffee for the ride to the uh, interview. And when I took a sip of the coffee, there was about an inch of coffee grounds in the bottom of it, and I got a mouthful of coffee grounds. <laughs> Needless to say, I spit them out all over my dress pants that uh, I was wearing. Um, fortunately, I stopped at a gas station, went in the men's room, and uh, the, the pants were those khakis that are supposed to be stain-proof. Sure. And they were. Ooh. They were. They washed off with a little water, and I was good to go. But it's the last time I've had coffee from McDonald's. <laughs> How did the interview go? I got the job. Oh, okay. That's good. I was I was afraid that you were thrown off your game, you blew the interview, and they perp-walked you out of the building or something. <laughs> yeah. Good. All right. Later on, I found out I was the only one that applied for it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> you... Hey, you know what? That's that's neither here nor there. All right, Rick, thanks for getting us going. 855-616-1620. A mouthful of coffee grounds. Getting a cup of coffee from, uh, in this case, McDonald's. John and Sheboygan, your fast food frustration. Hey, Scott. Hey. Yeah, I was an Well, back in the day, I was a McDonald's employee, and... We would have, that was right after McDonald's started going 24 hours, so it was open all night. And working the night shift about 2 o'clock in the morning, we'd have people drive through the drive through and they were so drunk that they couldn't place an order, they couldn't count their money, they would just hand a wad of cash at you and say, here, pay for my food, and... So we usually ended up uh, telling them that they had to wait for fresh food to get made, call the police, and the police would pull up behind them in the drive-thru, and one of them turned into a high-speed chase right around the parking lot. What, they just kept going around the parking lot in circles or something? Uh, They took off around the building twice with the police following them and then took off and went out into the country road somewhere, and we actually had to uh, testify Wow! uh, or write statements to the police. Um, about what happened and, and why they were there and all that. So Good for you. When you started telling that story, immediately I'm thinking, oh, wait, don't tell me you handed them their meal and then they drove off, you know, drunk as a skunk. So you actually oh, no, you no. took their money. Did you take their money? No, you didn't take their money. But you no, told we them- didn't take their money. We waited and just sure. told them, you know, just one second, we're making fresh food, and then we'll, oh. you know, we'll, get, we'll get your money from you. and. And, uh, yeah, then we'd uh, call the this, – this was actually at a store in West Bend, so we'd call the police, and, and uh, you know, Good. the officer would pull up behind them, turn the lights on, and, mm-hmm. yeah, one of them, they sped out out of the parking lot and took off in the country. Yeesh. They ended up catching them, so – and then you guys, there, there you were testifying at the trial. But, yeah, I could see that there are – a whole other realm of frustrations when you are coming at it from the employee perspective. And I'd imagine beyond 
those who had too much to drink. You've also seen some other crazy stuff on the other end oh, of yeah. the drive through oh, yeah. window. Johnny, thanks. That's a good job. So far, so good. We're two for two. 855-616-1620. Keep them coming. We'll keep this rolling. Fast food frustrations. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Back out to the phones. Stories of fast food frustration. Jenny and Oshkosh, your story, Jenny. Hi, I went to drive through at Burger King in Oshkosh a week ago, oh. and I ordered breakfast. I ordered breakfast. Okay. I'm sorry. I ordered breakfast through drive through at Burger King. Okay. And I uh, went to the drive through window, pay for my food. They gave me my soda, and I was told to pull around the building and wait by the door because it would be a minute for my food. So I did that, and I waited and waited and waited. Ten minutes later, I don't know why I waited that long, but I did. I called the store because it was pouring rain and asked them if I could just get a refund because I can't wait any longer for my food. And um, went back then to the drive through window because I didn't want them to have to run out with my my refund and the uh, manager told me that I can't have a refund and unless I give the food back and I said never got my food so um she told me I'd have to drive around the back to the other side of the door and, and tell them um uh to get my money back and she said I said I'm not going around to the door again I did that already and she said well I'm sorry you're being so belligerent. I'm going to call the police uh-oh and so she's going to call the police on me, and I couldn't wait, so I just went to work. But after my shift, I went back, went in the store, asked for my refund, and she said, We're, they're too busy to give me my refund that I had to wait. I said, that's okay. I'll set a timer. I'll wait for my my refund. And she then told me about a minute later that I need to leave. And then I ended up having to call the Oshkosh Police Department to come and Solve our dispute, and two minutes later, I got my refund. That's how I got my money back. Holy cow! How much money were we talking? How much a refund was it? Well, you know, it was only seven dollars and three cents. But after how she was treating me, I decided that for principle, I I wasn't going to let her keep it and and have the have the opportunity to treat me that way. Sure. So I literally. Took it as far as I needed to. Yeah, no, look, I, I, admire, to let me do that. I admire you on standing on principle. That's amazing that there was yeah. that, that, that the uh, the situation in the morning where the employees <laughs> threatened to call the cops on you. You came back yeah. later in the day to get the refund, and in the end, your threat to call the cops on them is what got you your refund. Yeah. No, the police actually had to come. Oh, they actually the police, did the, come. The policeman. Yes, yes. They. We, she. She even heard me call the police from their lobby. Wow. She. She let me call the police, and she still wanted me to leave. But I said I was waiting for the cops, and the police was the person that handed me my refund <laughs> two minutes later after they talked to her. Thank and you. And also, yeah. when I left there, and I was still hungry because I didn't eat breakfast all day. <laughs> hours later. I just drove through Starbucks, and I used the refund I got from my food that she no. um, wouldn't give me back, and I just bought the person behind me their, their coffee. Well, that's very generous. You know what you should have done, Jenny? You, you know what yeah. you should have done? You should have taken the $7 and change, walked out of the lobby, gotten in your car, and go right back into the drive-thru, pull right oh, around no, to the no, window, no, 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 no. and order right then and there. 
That would have been like the ultimate vindication. No, 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 no. I was told by the police officer. Oh. The best part is, I am banned from going to Burger King ever again in my life. And what? you know what? I never yelled at her. I was very calm, and all I did was not give her a reason to be a jerk to me. I was so nice to her. I wish I would have swore at her, yelled at her, anything that would cause her to have vindication for treating me that way. Wow. So she you, didn't have you're to... banned from this particular Burger King in Oshkosh? Yes. Yes. How- I mean, is, is, I can't go there anymore. Is your picture on the wall or something like that? How I do don't they? Know. No, it's, oh, it's Jenny. Know, no, you Jenny, know. you go. I told the police officer. I said, "Well, how would she know if I'd come through again?" Yeah. I said, "Hmm, she's about uh, walking distance from my work. I could drive through at any time. She would have no idea, but I won't because Burger King sucks, and I, I just don't have a taste in my mouth for that place anymore." No, I. Can't blame you after going through that. My gosh, Jenny, thank you. I could that is that is a frustrating experience to say the least. Wow. So again, she uh, the, the the employees threatened to call the cops on Jenny. Then later in the day Jenny came back, threatened to call the cops. She did call the cops on the employee. Cops arrive. They hand over the refund of $7 and change, and then the employee tells Jenny, you are banned from this uh, this this Burger King in Oshkosh for the rest of your time on Earth. Whoa. All right. We have a new leader in the clubhouse. Jenny in Oshkosh will continue. 855-616-1620. That is a fast food frustration story, and that's the story to beat right now.